We live in a society that has grown obsessed with health. And yet so many of us are still feeling lost and disconnected on our health journey. We do all the things we've been told to do, drink the green juice, do the yoga, get the cold therapy, and yet we're still feeling exhausted, bloated, and in pain. Today's episode is part of a two-part series. So really, from a Chinese medicine perspective, I'll be sharing 20 ways in which you can step into a more sustainable way of living based off of hundreds of thousands of years of medicine. Chinese medicine is all about balance and a return to nature. It's simple, yet unlearning everything we've been taught can feel complicated. So bear with me here. This is a way of living and thinking which has changed my life and I know it can change yours. That being said, I am not the end-all be-all of medicine. I want you to use your discernment, pick up what serves you, try out what you're unsure of, and leave down what doesn't. This is definitely one of those episodes that's jam-packed with information, so I recommend maybe taking notes, making sure that you're focused while listening, you don't want to miss any pearls, and of course, reach out to me if you have further questions. This is the thing that I love. I also recommend after you listen to a couple of points, maybe pause and let yourself digest that and then return back to the show. Um, this could definitely be something that you listen through to throughout the week. The last thing I want to touch on is in the show notes, I have a link to a petition that I would really, really appreciate you signing. It is a petition to make sure that acupuncture physicians within Florida keep their titles. There's a bill that's being passed that is threatening that title to not only acupuncture physicians, but also other professionals out there and they're trying to take away that professional title so if you could take a moment it takes less than a minute to sign this petition and maybe share with a friend that would mean so much to me and thank you so much to everyone who has already done that i appreciate you so much you are listening to the school of whispers podcast i'm your host Stephanie, and this is my space to get real, open, and weird about my life experiences as a psychic, medium, energy healer, and student of Chinese medicine. On the show, I'll be sharing my healing journey and the concepts I've learned along the way, and I'll be having guests on talking about the same sort of thing. I am so happy you're here, and I hope this show leaves you feeling inspired and empowered to learn how to listen to the whispers of your own body and spirit. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to the show. As I mentioned in the intro, this is a two-part series, so really it's a total of 20 reasons why or how you are hurting your health and different sustainable ways based out of Chinese medicine that you can help yourself. It really could have been a podcast about the 1,500 million ways <laughs> that you might be hurting your health, but for your sanity and for the sake of my time, we're keeping it at 10. Maybe I'll make this a five parts, 500 million part series. But 
I mentioned this also in the intro, but I'm going to say it again because I really want to drive it home for you. I am not the end-all authority on what you should be doing with your body in your life. You are the authority. So with everything I have to say, use your discretion, pick up what serves you, leave what doesn't, and try out what you're curious about. Maybe you're questioning something and you want to look more into it. So I've been in school for Chinese medicine for almost three years now. It's a three-year degree, but that being said, this is an accelerated program. It's really a four-year degree. And all of that being said, really, the the learning right now, it's, it's like I am a tiny little target with a fire hose just being sprayed at me constantly and I know that my true knowing and knowledge and understanding of this medicine will really come in when I'm in my own practice after I graduate at the end of the year. But I, and and, in, and it really is a kind of medicine where the more you learn, the less you realize you know. I mean, really with a lot of things that have substance to it. And if, if you have a love, good level of humility, I think that's how we should all view things with such a rich philosophy behind it. The the more you learn, the less you know. And I'm not going to get into the 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 full philosophy of Chinese medicine because there is so much to it, but I do think that the whole the the concept of Taoism and reading the Tao Te Ching, so it's Taoism or Taoism or Tao Te Ching or Tao Te Ching, um and looking into that philosophy will give you some great insight. Some resources, the web that has no weaver, as well as the yellow emperor are great places to start if you are hearing all of this and you want to learn more. But yeah, for the sake of time and, and also not trying to fire hose you with a bunch of information, I'm really just going to stick with two points of philosophy here. So a lot of Chinese medicine is based off of the theory of yin and yang. And you might be hearing that say, thinking, why is she saying yang funny? Well, the truth is, my friend, Americans say yang funny. I remember in one of my first classes, Dr. Chang, she was like, what does yang? Why are you all saying yang? It's yang. Yang, Y-A-N-G is pronounced yang. Anyway, that's your first lesson in Chinese medicine. <laughs> so the yin and the yang, the yang, fucking hell. There I go. Sorry, Dr. Chang. <laughs> so the yin and the yang theory is basically we are searching for balance. Think of that yin and yang symbol. The one side is black and it has a little dot of white inside. And the other side is white with a little dot of black inside. So every piece of yin is going to have a relation of yang within it and vice versa. Every piece of yang is going to have a relation to yin within it. One cannot exist without the other. That is the full nature of this dimension we live in. It's the full nature of our reality. And what's so interesting about polar opposites is because they are on such strong sides of the pole, it's almost like that strong opposition makes them so much closer to each other than you think. 
So think about that next time you're sitting in a conversation who has the opposite political views as you do or worldview. Consider the fact that right now it might feel like you couldn't be more different. But actually, the more different you are, the more similarities you can find within each other. But anyways, I digress. So we're all born with a level of yin and yang within our body, and it's very unique to who we are. My level of yin and yang is going to be very different from my twin sister's level of yin and yang. Even more so, a woman's level of yin and yang and the requirements to maintain that is going to be completely different from a man's. And a 27-year-old woman, it's going to be different than a seven-year-old girl or a seven-month child. So we are constantly in a state of ever evolution. And that's, I'm going to get into, that's going to be part of the first point is all these health food trends that we are being told that we need to do all day, every day. It's really so much more harmful than helpful. And it's getting you in the mindset that like what's good for this person is going to be good for me. And that person who has amazing skin and amazing gut health and they're vegan and they're doing yoga all day every day and their skin is glowing. I want to be like that too. Oof, I always cringe when I see reels of people showing their bodies and saying what I eat in a day because I don't know if they truly believe this, that if they're whoever's watching their reel that if someone eats like them then their bodies are going to look like theirs i don't know but to me it's just so out of touch and so unintelligent <laughs> so with that balance of yin and yang we go through life and things disrupt that balance the yin is the feminine it's the nurturing it's the cooling side it's the substance side so things that represent yin would be women, the, 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 the energy of the feminine, rather, the moon, water, darkness, nighttime. That's the ultimate yin time of day is midnight. It's the darkest hour. And you could also think of your own blood as a yin substance. So it carries nutrition all through your body. If we didn't have blood moving, there would be no nourishment. And when you slice open your skin, it you see blood. It's a substance that you can tangibly see. And that's a huge part of the nature of yin. And on the other hand, yang is more of that energetic substance that we can't see. It's the energy of the masculine. It's the the warm, fiery, constantly moving, rising energy. Things that represent the, the yang energy could be the sun, warm natured foods such as like a spicy hot pepper. Or I like to think of it, I love that this one professor of mine described the comparison of, and the relationship of yin and yang is a hot air balloon. So the yin is the basket that carries everything and it also keeps the, the the hot air balloon from rising and going and flying off into, you know, oblivion. And the yang is the fire and the, the air within the balloon itself. So it's what enables that basket to rise off the ground and to actually to be something. And a really great way to think of where deficiency 
of either the yin or the yang could go wrong is if the basket's too small and that balloon, nonetheless, regardless of the basket being attached or even like not enough weight within that basket, that balloon's just going to fly away and be taken by the wind. On the other hand, if you have no fire and no air contributing to that balloon, then your yin is never going to get off the ground. So an example of somebody who has too much yin energy is someone who is lethargic and slow, constantly feels low, who talks like this, who, uh, 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 a lot, and who really just it struggles to to do things to make something out of their life on the other hand a young excess person would be really loud and flamboyant and larger than life but in a sense that where they have no groundedness and they they can't commit to anything or they can't sit still and they're constantly fidgeting fidgeting and their face is really red and they're super highly reactive so there absolutely are merits in both types of energy but the goal is balance the goal is balance and how we maintain balance is by constantly keeping ourselves in check noticing what's going on within my body what am I feeling and I will get into that in a little bit give you a way that you can um, be aware of that so the other philosophy and I'm not going to get too into it that I want to discuss is the five element theory so a lot of Chinese medicine is based off of a cycle of five elements so we have fire earth metal, water, and wood. And a classic image you would see of the five element theory is seeing a circle with arrows of the fire pointing to the earth and the earth pointing to the metal and the metal pointing to the water and the water pointing to the wood. And then within that, there's this even, I'm not going to get into the complications, but there's going to be like a star with arrows inside of that. Basically what that represents is each element exists within us and it also exists outside of us and we all carry a level of different elements within our body and they all affect each other the fire is going to affect the earth and the earth is going to affect the metal and so on and so forth and so when there is a disruption in this balance of elements within us or externally like living in an environment with mold then disbalance is manifested within the body and the way that we can look at where am I going wrong is by tuning into that relationship again you're listening to this podcast isn't going to provide you a means of figuring that out you're gonna have to look that up on yourself because on your own because it's super complicated and I don't have the time to do it but I do want you to just be aware that nature is intrinsic it's an intrinsic part of Chinese medicine and actually um, this five element cycle we could also look at it as the five seasons so fire is related to the summertime earth is related to late summer so kind of that season where towards the end of summer where you got a little bit more rainstorms in Florida it's hurricane season metal is related to the season of, of autumn Water 
the season of winter and wood the season of spring. So how wonderful. It's literally the way that the cycles run within that five element cycle. We are nature. We are the seasons. We are absolutely connected. I do get a little bit more into the five element theory and how it relates to seasons, emotions, colors, foods, and I think a little bit more on, and I'll link in the show notes, in the whispers of our food or like food therapy or something. All right. That being said, let's get into the 10 ways you may be hurting your health according to the perspective of a student of Chinese medicine. So number one, drinking smoothies and raw juice. Do not drink raw ice cold smoothies and juice every day, multiple times a day. Please, please stop doing it. And some of you might be hearing that and I, I made it number one for a reason because some of you might be triggered because you live by that green juice and all that other shit that is being poured into our brains all day, every day. So why? Why shouldn't we be drinking these things? Okay, so it's not because raw fruits and veggies are bad for us. They are packed full of vitamins and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they are helpful. But here's the thing. So, again, everything I'm saying is from a Chinese medicine perspective. And a lot of the Chinese medicine is based on not just the physiological traits of our organ systems, but the energetic traits. The energy is so lost on our Western society. And that's why I'm here to help you make the connection. So your stomach is a working, turning machine. It is a yang organ. And so it thrives on warmth and it is prone to getting dry. And so it does need fluids, but it needs warm fluids in order to keep things moving. Another important organ in our digestive system in Chinese medicine is the spleen. I'm not going to really get too much into the spleen. I just felt like it would be remiss if I didn't mention the spleen because that's really the main organ that um, we are always looking at from a Chinese medicine perspective. But throw away your Western idea of what the spleen is. The spleen is a yin organ. So the yin and the yang, here it is working together. And it is something that helps create the blood in our body. So it helps create nourishment, essentially. And it's responsible for transformation and transportation of our food. So not only the literal food that we're eating and turning and sending down through our digestive system, but the energy of our food. We call it Gucci. And we use that Gucci to create all the nutrition and the blood within our body. So it is prone to a condition called dampness. So dampness happens when we are, one, eating foods of no nutritional value that our body, our digestive system, the spleen in the stomach, it doesn't really know what to do with it. So th- these foods just sit in our gut and think of a bowl of fruit. After a while, that bowl of fruit's going to get moldy and create bacteria. So that's one thing that can cause dampness. Another thing that can cause dampness is raw fruits and vegetables. 
There's a reason why we created fire, people. This is a, I mean, we didn't create it. But there's a reason why fire was such a thing for mankind. Actually, I'm going to take a, a Stephanie reference here. I listened to this great TED Talk when I was in my undergrad. And it was all about how the homo sapien discovering fire is a huge piece of the puzzle as to why we went one way to ev- through evolution and why the ape went the other way. The ape continued to constantly eat raw vegetables and, and plant matter. And so it was burning calories by just eating and eating and eating. And whereas Homo sapiens, they used fire to pre-digest their food. So all of a sudden, their stomach doesn't have to use so much energy to process things. And all of that extra calories, that extra energy was put to our brain. And it helped create the mind. And please don't listen to this and be like, oh, well, if I if I want to burn calories, I just got to eat more raw veggies. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, sure. Maybe chewing celery is going to help you burn more calories. But here's here's where it all is happening. Where This is where I'm trying to say is if you aren't helping your digestive system by having pre-cooked food, whether it's steamed, roasted, pan fried, whatever, then you're not really helping your gut out. And rather than like the burning the calories, it's it's going to burn up a lot of energy to process those foods. And so other systems in our body, like like our, our chi rising up to our head, our life force energy rising to our head to help us think, it's all going to get bogged down. And usually what happens when you have an excess of dampness in the body is you feel heavy. You're super bloated in your digestive system. And yeah, you can't really think straight. And over time, it can create even more issues, but I'm not going to really get into that right now. So please cook your vegetables, stew your fruits. If you have a slower digestive system, ideally we can handle an amount of raw fruits and veggies. Just don't have that be the only thing in your meal. Do yourself a favor and, and don't make your body work so hard to process what you're eating. To really drive this point home even more, when you make a, a juice or a smoothie, typically you're having it iced. And the nature of ice is yin. And what it does is it slows things down. So if you're having iced raw fruits and veggies, you are having the slowest moving possible dampening food in your body. And it's, it's over time, it's really going to hurt more than help. There is a time and place where a raw diet would be beneficial, and that would be that classic excess young person. They actually could benefit from having a cold diet because it's going to help drain the heat from their body. But to even take that a step further, that doesn't mean that they should completely change their life and only stick with that. It means that maybe a week or two of a raw food diet could benefit them. And even then, they should probably be working with a practitioner and keeping check with themselves, keeping a food diary and keeping track of 
everything that they're feeling within emotionally, mentally, physically, and energetically. Okay, I hope I drove that one home for you. Oh, actually, I do want to say, if you are so married to the idea of your smoothies and raw juice, at least put ginger in it. Ginger is something that's really great for the digestive system. It's warming, and so it's going to help move things along for your gut. But yeah, just stop doing it every day, multiple times a day. Please, please, please. Okay, the next thing that you are doing to hurt your health is skipping breakfast. In Chinese medicine, each organ has its own time of day where it's the most active. And when it's the most active, it means that is a chance for you to really be aware of one, if you are having a disharmony and two, if you have a strong, well-functioning system. So for example, the liver's time is from 3 to 5 a.m. So if from 3 to 5 a.m. you are overheating and you're waking up in the middle of the night, then you probably have some heat or or a deficiency of yin energy in your liver. Um, Or yeah, there could be so many other things. Chinese medicine diagnosis really isn't that simple, but it's just an example. I think that's totally classic for everybody. So in terms of breakfast, the time of day where the spleen and the stomach are the most active is from 7 to 9 a.m. And that's when they are doing their job of turning your food, transporting, transforming, creating blood, getting you ready for the day ahead. So when you're skipping breakfast, you're, you're not feeding fuel to the engine and then that system is going to be taking energy from other organ systems in your body and it's just going to create an overall disbalance. If you are struggling with having an appetite in the morning, which I think is really normal in our society, especially when it's like we roll out of bed, we get our shit together, grab our coffee and get out. Of course, when we're moving that quickly, there's not a lot of time for us to to be able to listen to our digestive system. Or if you aren't that person, but you're still struggling, I have two pieces of advice for you. One, chewing on fennel seeds. So fennel is a an herb that It helps harmonize the digestive system and the appetite and it also helps with any like ways of nausea in the body and it's warming so it's going to be priming your spleen and your stomach to to do what needs to be done especially if you're so used your body is so used to something ice cold it might not be craving it because it's like please don't do this to me again (laughs) another option that you can do is starting to have soups in the morning. So the color of food that really nourishes the digestive system, and this is according to the five element theory. So earth is the element for the spleen and the stomach, and that color is yellow. So yellow squash, acorn squash, usually squash is a very good earthy sort of food. Making a soup out of that, carrots could also be beneficial too. Making a warm brothy or veggie soup 
in the morning for you to have first thing. I know it sounds kind of weird, and but that will be something that'll really help heal your digestive system and your gut. Item number three, not looking at your tongue. It's so funny in clinic when we have a new person who's never had acupuncture done before and we ask them if we could see their tongue. The look that we get from them, the embarrassment that they feel over having to stick their tongue out and being like, oh, I didn't scrape it. No, 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 never, ever, ever scrape your tongue before a Chinese medicine appointment. It's not, I'm not saying it's bad to scrape your tongue. It's actually very good for you. But the, the fur, we call it the fur or the coat of your tongue is it reveals so much to us on what's going on with your digestive system. The color and the shape and the size of your tongue can also reveal the level of yin and yang within your body, hot and cold within your body, and it can actually show you what you really need. Tongue diagnosis can get complicated, and again, I'm not gonna, you're not going to leave this podcast feeling entirely proficient in tongue diagnosis. I'm going to keep this really simple. A red tongue that has a yellow coat typically shows that you have an excess of heat in your body and you would benefit from yin-natured foods and yin-natured activities. Google yin foods, cooling foods, and that could help you out. Or again, talk to your Chinese medicine practitioner. It's way better than the old Google machine. Uh, A red tongue in general, though, will reveal heat. Red tongue, as I said, with a yellow coat is excess heat. On the other hand, a red tongue with no coat on it that looks really dry and cracked all over could actually reveal that you have a deficiency of yin, of fluids in your body. So you would benefit from, yes, yin-natured foods, but really like fluid generation. So having bone broth, having a lot more water and... There's a lot of other things, but I will leave it at that. On the other hand, having a pale colored tongue with a thick white coat might reveal that you have an excess of yin energy in your body. So having foods that is more yang natured like paprika or just like warming herbs and spices like chai, that could actually benefit, but also a thick white coat could mean a lot of other things. Even checking out your coat and seeing if your coat, whether it's white or yellow, if it's really greasy and almost slimy looking and the tongue is really thick and flabby, that could actually mean that you have dampness in your body. It could be, you can have damp heat or you can have cold damp or just dampness in general. So I hope you're catching on what I'm putting down that it's so important to look at your tongue and to constantly check in. What do I need here? And I will in the show notes include a chart of how each organ relates to different parts of your tongue, but I'm going to say it really quick. The center of your tongue is your your digestive system, your spleen in your stomach. So if you're, and what a normal tongue should look at like is pink with a thin white coat. And then so the outside of your tongue, so those outer edges, they have to do with your liver and your gallbladder. And again, I'm talking about Chinese medicine from its energetic perspective on the organ system, not a Western perspective. But if the sides of your tongue 
are peeled, they have no coat, but the rest of your tongue does. Or if they look really red or scalloped or they have prickles all over it, that could reveal a lot of what's going on in your liver system. The tip of your tongue, so the front to tip, have to do with your lung and your heart. The most typical, I think, tongue pattern that you see on people is a red tip. And that usually means that they're going through emotional stress, like strong emotional things. And finally, at the root of the tongue, so towards the back, you'll have the bladder as well as your kidney systems manifesting on your tongue. So I really want to encourage you to do more research, to become your own advocate, and to go to a Chinese medicine doctor and ask them, what's my tongue looking like? And ask them, how is the colors or the things that are manifesting on my tongue, how, how is that going to contribute to my treatment plan? I am just such a strong supporter of you being your own advocate in your health and being able to take what you learn in treatment home with you so that you don't have to rely on someone else to understand your own body. Number four is watching something or working on something while you're eating your food. I know that I am absolutely guilty of this. And it's funny, right before recording, I was sitting down eating lunch on my balcony and I I was going to reread over my notes for this podcast. And I stopped myself and I was like, nope, look at the green, look at the sky, do everything but do work. So the reason is, is if you're watching something, you're working, you are using your energy that should be being used and concentrated in your digestive system. So you're pulling from that system to do other things and then it can lead to things like bloating, uh, constipation or diarrhea in the long term. It can lead to a lot of different digestive issues. Another perspective, a way to look at it is so each organ in Chinese medicine manifests within a different sense organ. So for example, your mouth is related to your digestive system. So if you have like a lot of pimples around your mouth, then you might have something going wrong in your digestive system. The liver manifests within our eyes. So what we see is going to affect our liver. And something that's really common, a common pattern in Chinese medicine is the liver overacting on the digestive system. What that looks like is having alternating diarrhea and constipation, acid reflux, sharp stabbing pains in your rib cage or in your belly, bloating, um, feeling constantly frustrated or angry the list goes on and on and it's it's actually the pattern that I had when I had had enough with my health and I looked to alternative medicine it's a really painful pattern to have it it fucking sucks so going back to the sense organs how the liver manifests on the eyes so if you're using your eyes and you're watching shit or you're doing everything but focusing on what you are putting in your mouth then you are you could possibly be priming yourself for a pattern where your eyes are overloaded and they're putting that overloaded energy to your liver. Your liver is overloaded with so much as it is. It's working so hard to 
to move all the toxins out of our food, out of our environment, out of our body and into other areas. The liver in Chinese medicine is also responsible for it's delegating. Like it, they call it the general for delegating. All right, chi, this chi is going to do that. This chi is going to do this. And this chi is going to go up. That chi is going to go down. So when the liver's overloaded, it's one going to try to share its work. The general is going to be like, no, this is too much work. I need to recruit somebody else. And usually who they recruit is the stomach. And so the stomach, it's going to feel overloaded as well and overwhelmed. On the other hand, something that could happen too is the liver could just feel so overloaded and exhausted. It's like, not, I'm done. I'm slowing down. I'm going to take a break. And so instead of trying to share its excess energy, it just goes, and then it tries to steal energy from other organ systems. I hope you're, you're starting to form this idea. The balance is so delicate within your body and everything you do contributes to that balance. I don't want you to walk around every day being like, oh, is this going to affect my chi of this system and that? No, but I want you to be aware, just aware of possible consequences here so that you can live a life where you're in control. So yes, look at something green. The, the liver loves green. Look at plants. Look at you know, what, yeah, look at plants while you're eating. On another hand, though, this is actually something I learned from Dr. Zach Bush, something that can actually be really wonderful and beautiful for your digestive system and your liver is sitting down to eat with others. We are majority a, a, a walking hotel for microbes. I think it's like nine to one in the ratio of how many microbe organisms we have in our body versus human cells. And we have good bugs and we have bad bugs. The good bugs are really nourished by human contact and connection. So when you give someone a hug and like a nice long hug, you're sharing those good bugs with each other. And maybe a little bit of bad bugs, but it they, they really like they really respond well to vibrations and frequencies, uh, good bugs as well. And, and, and bad bugs respond to vibrations and frequencies as well. So when you're sitting down to eat with somebody and you're having a conversation about life, you're having a good time, then that is going to be excellent for your digestive system and your liver system. However, if someone's sitting down with you and wants to start shit or wants to talk about work, then that's a boundary that you should probably place. The other the other day, my husband and I were having a conflict over something right when I was sitting down to eat and I I put my food down. I was like, no, I'm not gonna eat while we're talking about this. So I, I, I prioritize us talking through it before um, I went back to eating. But you know, whatever your priority is at that moment, whether it's sorting it out or getting food inside of you, you know, that's up to you. And Dr. Bush, what he talks about are these blue zones or regions in the world where people are, they live longer than average. And a lot of that has to do with community and diet. And he says that something that a lot of them have in common is rather than asking, what did you eat today? It was, who did you eat with today? 
So I think sitting down and considering who you're eating with is also something to really consider for your system, for the better of your system. Number five. Oh, number five. Something that's hurting your health is going to hot yoga every day or every other day. Basically going more than once or twice a week. I am a yoga teacher and for years hot yoga has been my jam. It was it's it was my happy place. It was where I felt the most me and flow. But the thing was is after a couple of years of being a student and then teaching multiple hot classes a day, multiple times a week, my body my it's like I felt like my muscles were so like elongated that it was hard to like pull myself together and I would have this chronic joint pain well there was a reason why uh, that was happening and it's because when you are constantly sweating 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 and stretching 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 out your muscles you're depleting them more than you are giving to them your muscles need fluid. They need an amount of fluid. If you're constantly sweating it all out and you're not replenishing it with proper electrolytes and proper minerals, then of course you're going to feel that wear and tear. But also if you're putting your body under stress in a high heat environment constantly, you're draining your yin energy, that fluid, that nourishment, and that can turn into irritability, internal heat, especially in your liver, a weakened immune system, and a lot more. There is a such thing as overdoing it with the stretching as well. And when you overstretch your body, you can hurt your liver system because the liver is responsible for our sinews. So rather than like those chunky, beefy muscles that we have. The sinews are what kind of pull the muscles towards our joints and where we're constantly pulling apart, pulling apart and not finding balance within that stretch and contraction, then you are hurting so much more than you are helping. And while I I am on that topic, I do want to say like yogis, I get it. I get it. But you really need to consider this. And also, if you aren't doing any weight training, please consider doing weight training. It's not good for us to have so much stretching without that balance going on. And it took me a while to learn that. Actually, the way I learned it was my wrists were killing me. I was doing so much yoga and my wrists were dead. And I would go to yoga teachers in different studios and I would tell them what was going on. They would say, huh, well, have you tried stretching them? It's like, a fucking course I tried stretching them. I mean, yoga every day, multiple times a day. And turns out what I really needed was to strengthen them. So sometimes a lot, and, and I, one of the many things I do is stretch therapy. So I, I do mobility therapy for people. But there are times when I meet a person and I stretch them and their stretch reflex is not strong. They could just go on and on and on forever And they're in so much pain still, no matter how flexible they are, they're in pain. And I tell them, this is not the modality for you. You need to go find a strength and conditioning coach, and that's going to help you with your chronic pain. Okay. Number six, 
Number six is swallowing your anger or trying to meditate it away. So we've talked a lot about the liver system here. And the reason I've mentioned it so much because it's it's because it's so damn important. The liver in Chinese medicine, it holds our blood. I mentioned it's the general, so it delegates our chi, it tells it where it needs to go. It helps with their eyes or it manifests in the eyes. It helps nourish our sinews for us women because it holds our blood. It helps us with our menstrual cycle. And also the liver is definitely like almost like a keeper of our soul when we are sleeping. So if you're having a lot of like crazy excessive dreams and you feel like you wake up and you feel like you were working overtime somehow, that may be because your liver doesn't have enough of that yin energy to anchor that soul, that spirit in your body. So the or the the organ system of the liver in Chinese medicine is responsible for a lot of our emotions, processing our emotions. And it really relates to all the the full spectrum of emotions, but in particular, it has a huge relationship with anger. In Chinese medicine, emotions are not pathological. Feeling your feels is a healthy good thing. Where it can go wrong is one, if you are unable to understand or process those emotions and one, you get stuck in a loop, like a loop of of tears, like grief is a really common thing where people can get stuck in. They're stuck in that loop and they're crying and crying and crying every day. Crying, it's okay. It's okay to cry. But getting up, being obsessed with grief and being obsessed with expression of tears, it can drain your system. And so the same with anger. Being repressive of your anger and not knowing how to properly express it can really mess up your, or your, your liver's ability to move things around. So anger, it makes chi rise up. So it can cause headaches. It can give you red eyes. It, it can give you acid reflux, high blood pressure. It can make you feel dizzy, lightheaded. And over time, that rising can cause extra friction inside of your body. So that can manifest as pain or other heat excess symptoms can do a lot of things in the body and things that should be coming moving down will start to be coming up so repressed anger can really stagnate the movement within your body on the other hand though having an obsession with anger that person who's constantly waiting to be insulted it's like they're looking around and they're thinking that's right get get in my way make my day Give me an excuse to explode. Or that person cuts you off while you're driving and fury comes out of you. That's not healthy either. You know, it's it's okay. like anger is sacred. Anger is something that shows you that something is wrong. It's something's not right. So while we need to listen to it, we also can't let it drive our lives. And we need to be aware of where are we inappropriately expressing anger in our day-to-day life because that can reveal a lot um, within trauma or negative beliefs, things like that. 
And trying to meditate your anger away, it's not going to work. I'm sorry. I wish it did because I've tried. I've tried. But anger needs movement. The liver needs movement. So working out, shaking it out, yelling it out. Maybe I love like, or I used to do this a lot, like getting a canvas and getting a knife and just stabbing the shit out of it. It just turned into a bit of a, a um, an expensive hobby <laughs> to have. Maybe stabbing a pillow could be better. But yeah, being in stillness and breathing into the anger. Um, maybe if you have a lot of repress and you're trying to just get used to the sensation of anger within your body, maybe sitting with anger in that way can actually be really great, but actually it can really further magnify it or drive it deeper. So do yourself the favor and let your anger experience movement to process. The last piece of advice I'll give you on anger in the liver. So the liver needs movement and repressed anger can create heat in the body and heat can cause stagnation. It can slow things down. So an external sign that your emotions of frustration or anger are stagnating is a constant sign. It's like, oh, so we want to spread our chi rather than contract it in order to reverse that stagnation you give yourself a nice long sigh so instead of walking around going ah, ah, you go ah. it'll help spread and cool things down i know that this is a lot of information to take in so before we get into number seven, let's take a moment and do a couple of big sighs to spread our cheese so that we're ready to learn more. So take a big inhale in. Hold for a moment and sigh it out. One more like that. Hold. Beautiful. Number seven is worrying and overthinking. Relating back to the five element theory, the earth element, as I mentioned before, is related to the spleen and the stomach. I'm talking about these two systems, I think, a lot, the digestive system as well as the liver system, because it's something that's so chronic, I think, in our society that there's something going wrong here. And also it's just, it's personal. It, those are the systems for me in terms of resolving and working on those has really unlocked a lot for me. But the digestive systems, so the spleen and the stomach system, the emotion that it's related to is worry. In school, what they had us think of is think of a mother, earth energy. The mother is over worrying, overthinking. And when you are constantly worrying and overthinking about every possible scenario or everything, that person who said that thing, but they actually might be me meaning something else, it's draining your chi. It is draining your energy from allowing you to process and fully digest things. If you're thinking and over worrying, especially while you're eating, forget it. Of course, you're going to have digestive issues. I mean, shit, what 
the energy of worry and overthinking, or you can think of excessive rumination, what it does to the body is it knots things up. So think about it. Like when you're really worried about something, how you feel like you have knots in your stomach, that's that's it. That's that's what's really going on. And it's knotting things and it's not allowing full movement. So if you are worrying a lot before eating, I was doing that a lot and I had a lot of what I called food sensitivities and food allergies. So you should just not eat. If you're in a state like that, put your food away for a moment and and do yourself a favor and get get it out of your system. Journal, meditate, breathe, shake, yell, cry, what talk to call somebody, ask for help. What I love to do, what's really turned things around for me is taking deep breaths before I eat. So getting myself out of that fight or flight sympathetic mode and into that rest, digest, parasympathetic mode. So deep belly breaths using my diaphragm before I eat. What I think is a really great way to shift yourself because I remember anytime my professors would listen to my pulse they'd be like oh you overthink things and I'm like what do you mean they say you think all the time too much and in my head I was like well it like isn't that how everyone is isn't everybody always thinking about things all the time and now that I've done a lot of work, a lot of purging in sacred plant medicine ceremonies, a lot of purging in other respects, doing colon hydrotherapy and other stuff like that. I realize now that my mind is so quiet. Turns out that overthinking is not a thing that's normal. And I, it was so hard for me to picture a reality where that was possible. And something that I think is a really great perspective to shift towards, well, actually a perspective to shift away from to help with the energy of overthinking is moving away from what do they think of me? When you're spending time wondering what do other people think of you? That's a lot of people to think about. There is, There are billions of people on this planet and they're all really, really different. So putting yourself in all these different pairs of shoes all the time is draining your system. It is so not worth it. And you're making a huge assumption that probably isn't true. So it's, it's for no reason, right? Rather than thinking like that, shifting more towards a mindset of what do I think of them? So it's turning the spotlight in, listening to your intuition and however that comes up for you of what you really think of somebody could be an actual thought or it could be a feeling inside of you. I I I told a client this morning because she was asking me, how do I know I can trust somebody? And I, I told her, taste. Think of what, what, what taste do you have in your mouth when you leave that person? Is there a taste of like, like that was a little bit funny. That was a little bit weird. Then maybe that's not somebody you should jump into trusting right away. Maybe you should spend some time getting to know them more. Do yourself the favor, save your chi, and worry more about what do you think of that person rather than worrying about what do all these other people think of me or 
just don't worry about it at all. <laughs> Stop worrying. Okay. I know. I know. It's so annoying when people say that. <laughs> um, I know it's easier said than done. All right. Along this vein, number eight is not singing more. So the sound of the digestive system is singing. So again, you can think of earth, that mother, that mother, she tends to worry and she loves to sing to her babies. And that's what brings her joy. So not singing more is, I mean, in an energetic, esoteric sense with the chakra systems. Yeah. Like you not thinking that your voice is good enough to be heard in even just a song aspect is, is going to block your throat chakra in a lot of ways. But also in terms of a Chinese medicine perspective, singing is going to help with a lot of that worrying and that overthinking. So getting out of your head and into song and think in singing things that are lovely, that, that make you feel happy or making up a song. I love to make up songs, whether it's light language or actual human language. I think that's one of the, my husband's favorite things about me is all day I love to just make up silly songs about him or our cat or about myself. And it really, like I have a smile on my face just thinking about it. It really helps you step into more joy. And again, it's going to soothe and nurture your digestive system because the energy of singing is, it, it, it helps with movement and flow. And and really, don't worry about what your voice sounds like to others. Again, what, what did we just say? Yes, you got it. Stop worrying about what other people think. And worry about what you feel. You're the one that has to live in your body, not them. Number nine. Number nine is icing chronic pain or an old injury. We are at the advent of cold therapy. It is everywhere. There's cryotherapy. I used to work at a place with cryotherapy. Everyone's obsessed with the ice therapy and including my husband. And he's probably going to hear me on the other side of my door talking shit about ice therapy and be like, well, that's not true because this, that, this, that. Like, I know the research out there. I do. Um, at this point, it's just a matter of personal preference. But I think a lot of the experts could agree with me in, in, the, in the Western world that icing a chronic injury or an old pain or oh, sorry, chronic pain or an old injury is going to hurt more than help. The time to add ice to an injury is within the first 24 to 48 hours because icing is going to help with inflammation. What happens when you hurt yourself is all your anti-inflammatory receptors, they rush to that area. And that is actually what causes the pain is the rushing of all your sensory receptors to that area to help with healing. And that's actually what inflammation is. Inflammation is healing. But where chronic inflammation goes wrong, it's when your body is thinking that or knowing that an area is constantly not working right. So it's sending those anti-inflammatory receptors way more to that area than it needs to. But after a certain point, remember what I said in the very beginning of this podcast, ice is going to slow things down. In Chinese medicine, there's a phrase and it's very simple. It's 
where there is blockage, there is pain. Where there is no blockage, there is no pain. So think about how when you put fat in the fridge, how it coagulates and it gets all, you know, thick. When you're icing an area, you're coagulating the flow of chi, your life force energy, and blood to that area. You're slowing all of it down. And what you need in order to help with that chronic pain and that old injury is a rush of blood flow to that area. Because after that initial injury and the inflammation process is done, what actually can happen is you start to develop scar tissue in that area. And the scar tissue is actually the thing that's creating that pain months and years from that point. So you actually, you need movement. So like using a massage gun, vibration, um, acupuncture needles are really effective in dissolving scar tissues. And you need warmth and heat on that area. Rubbing that area is very helpful too because it's, again, it's encouraging your blood flow to move to that area. There's a technique called gua sha or scraping. So you can use a jade tool. I think it's all over the internet with using that jade tool for the facial facial gua sha. But let's, let's pull out your forearm here and let's say that I have chronic elbow pain. So what I want to do is I want to use that gua sha tool to scrape blood from my forearm up to my elbow, from down to up, and then from further up my arm and down towards my elbow because I want to push that blood flow to that area to help relieve the pain. I feel like I just talked a lot about pain here, maybe more than you needed me to. So thank you for staying with me here because we're getting into a number 10 and that is shirking on protein intake and shying away from organ meats. So in Chinese medicine, we love meat. We love organ meats because organ meats are going to have the cells and the particular nourishment that that organ system within your body needs. So for example, if you're a woman who has really difficult periods, then you're going to want liver. You're going to want to eat liver because as I mentioned before in Chinese medicine, the liver holds the blood and it's responsible for the movement. So if you're having really painful periods, a lot of blood clots, eating animal liver is going to feed your human liver. Another example would be um, your kidneys. If you're having chronic kidney infections, eat some kidney. Same with the heart. If you got all these heart issues, eat some animal heart. And if you can't stand the idea of eating an organ meat because it's yuck to you, then there are supplements available. That's actually how I began that my organ meat journey was with organ meat supplements. Meat in general is going to give your body so much more substance and nourishment than any other food source. It's just a necessity. And I know that so many of us, you know, have been on that vegan trend. It's honestly, it's such a drain on the system. I do not recommend being vegan to anyone. No, no, no. Um, 
even vegetarian, like I would rather you not eat dairy than not eating meat. That being said, I love dairy. I used to be like, oh, it's the white devil. (laughs) I needed to chill. I needed to take a couple of deep breaths before putting that food in my body and to change my mindset from worry to rest and digest. All of that being said, there's a lot of research out there. I'm going to link in the show notes a podcast that really changed a lot for me. And it's through um, Organic Olivia. She's an herbalist. Her podcast, What's the Juice? And it's an episode with Gabrielle, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And she did her postdoctorate in obesity and geriatrics. And she's done cutting edge on protein. So I'm not going to even attempt to speak about protein in the way that she does because she does it so eloquently. But I am going to leave you with this. In her research, in more than just her research, in a lot of research, it has been shown that our muscles are endocrine organs. What does that mean? Think of the thyroid gland. So the thyroid gland is responsible for taking stock of what's going on within the body and then releasing really important hormones to enable our endocrine system, our hormonal system to balance and to work so that we can have normal sleep and wake cycles, normal metabolism cycles, all that good stuff. And when things go wrong with the thyroid, things can really go wrong. Well, the muscle is just as capable of taking stock of what's going on in our body and influencing the release of certain hormones for us. So again, our muscles are endocrine organs. I can't help but wonder, do so many women in our society have hormonal issues because we've been told to have more of that plant-based, like it's almost like more of like a feminine diet in a way, like having more of that plant-based food in us. And we haven't been encouraged to have more protein. It's like the men eat the steaks and the burgers and have the whey protein, not the women. And it's it's just like a backwards way I realize of thinking. And I absolutely have been there where I was vegan for a while. And before then, I, I, I shied away from meat because I was like, I want to be a good person. And, you know, meat causes harm. But I was doing all of that out of wanting to sit on a holier than thou high horse, wanting to feel like a good person. But the truth is what I eat, I'm sorry, it doesn't, what you eat doesn't really make you a better or more spiritual person. And then after the veganism, I was, you know, convinced that meat, particularly red meat, was going to cause excessive inflammation in my body. And that wasn't the case at all. But I was having, you know, these carb, veggie heavy meals and like a little slab of protein and then feeling exhausted and muscle ache all the time. And I wasn't sure why. This In Chinese medicine, the spleen and the stomach system are responsible for our muscles. So when we are not feeding our muscles, then we are hurting our spleen digestive system. Another thing that's really interesting about getting enough meat and a complete amino acid profile in your body is the way that Dr. Lyon, she put it, was when we are having 
So the reason we have protein is to have those essential amino acids. Essential amino acids are amino acids that we do not make in our body. It's essential that we gain it from our food. And those amino acids create the building blocks of us. Protein is a building blocks. They provide the building blocks of our DNA. So without without protein, there is no you. And there is no ability to grow and to metabolize things. So when you are having a complete amino acid profile, you are no longer at risk of being so malnourished. And really what can happen at the end of the day after you eat dinner, when you're craving that hit of sweetness, the way that Dr. Lyon put it is your body is like, wait, 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 we're done with food for the day, but I don't have the complete nutritional profile that I need to properly recover. So the body is going to look for easily accessible, highly palatable, so tasty food. So what's easily accessible? That packaged food, mostly carbs, mostly sugar, That's put. it's got a lot of other ingredients in it that's going to make it a little bit tastier. So we're going to we're going to want to go for that cuz it's easy. But it's not completing our nutritional profile. It's actually going to create did you guess it? More dampness in the body, slow things down, make you feel more heavy. What I have learned from Dr. Lyon, and I really, really re- recommend that you listen to the podcast because I know that I'm not doing justice to um, her her brilliance and intelligence in all of this. But what I have been recommending for my patients in clinic is, especially those who are having digestive issues, chronic fatigue, chronic hormonal issues, is making sure that you have at least 30 grams of protein before 12 p.m. Your first meal of the day, make it a high protein meal, at least 30 grams and have at least as much as you weigh. So if you weigh 120 pounds, have 120 grams of protein in your day. When you have, especially in the morning time, when that first meal has that that amount, that higher amount of protein, and I I, I was going to say surplus or higher amount, but that's not the right way because it's the normal amount that we should be having, then every system is going to follow through. Your endocrine system, your muscular system, your digestive system, your lymphatic system, it's going to enable all those other systems to work. So enough protein in your diet it's going to help you feel more vital, a better digestive system. It's going to help you feel more nutritionally satiated. And as I mentioned earlier, how when you have that complete profile, you actually have like a stronger sense of willpower against if if you have a hard time snacking on sweets. Like if you want to eat sweets, eat your sweets. But if you're aiming or you're grabbing towards those sweets because you don't feel well fed, then use protein as a means of augmenting your willpower. Using protein, this is again, this is from Dr. Lyon, using protein as a means of augmenting your willpower. So using it as a means of strengthening your will against putting shit in your body, but also you can make it towards other things like have a high protein meal before you have to record 
three podcasts or before you have to study or really perform in your job. I've been doing it for the past two months and it really, really, truly has made a difference. All right, that is my take on all of that. I can't believe that I did it and I did it over my usual time for a podcast. 10 ways that you might be hurting your health and 10 ways to turn your health around using that Chinese medicine perspective. Thank you so, so much for listening. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, so um, don't take everything I say as gospel ever, ever. Please, no. (laughs) Use your discernment. You are in charge and all that good stuff. If you would like to work with me, I am not a Chinese medicine doctor yet, but I am in my internship at school. So it's called the Florida College of Integrative Medicine, FC. I am. It's in Orlando. And yeah, jump on my schedule on there on Mondays and Tuesdays and we can do acupuncture, herbal consultation and more. On the other hand, if you would like a healing with me, energy healing or a psychic mediumship reading, a plant medicine ceremony, if you want to look into past lives or doing esoteric acupuncture with me, you can find all of that information at theschoolofwhispers.com. I am not, I will do scans in clinic, so kind of scan your, your field and let you know what's going on, but I will not be providing energy work in clinic anymore because I honestly, I don't get paid for it. And I'm trying to honor and respect my energy and the exchange that I receive by giving so much. So again, you can find that information in the show notes or schoolofwhispers.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And I'll be feeling your energy next week.